Welcome to Where We Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Christopher Brunty. On today's episode, we have a patron prompt from Jason who says, Hello, I heard about the podcast through Reddit threads a while back, but didn't actually pick it up until the Morkborg episode. Thanks, Morkborg. I then binged through it at work and I'm all caught up now. I'm loving the often off-the-wall suggestions that change up the entire tone. Throwing some grimdark in the middle of lightheartedness or vice versa is always entertaining. Anyway, instead of suggesting a genre and you building an entire world around it, I'm leaving the genre and tone to you and suggesting a slightly smaller scope. The idea is a mega-ish city. Could be sci-fi, fantasy, alternate history, whatever. Thinking Fifth Element, Lordran from Dark Souls, Mega City One, maybe Sigil from D&D, or Toon Fair from the Garrett P.I. novels. So, Jacob, thank you so much for what is a pretty broad stroke of a brush here that lets us really kind of flex our creative muscles. Um, and remember that if you want to suggest your world and have us build your world, you can do so by emailing us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or you can send us a prompt over at Let's World Build on Twitter. Uh, and remember, if you want to join our Discord, you can join our community and build worlds with us together or just talk about memes and shit. That's cool, too. And of course, if you want to be incredibly generous like Jacob here, then you can donate to us on Patreon. Now, gentlemen, we made a fantasy city already. Uh, it, that way back in episode four, one of my favorite like early episodes, actually. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see what we do now that we have 70 some odd episodes later and an entirely new person to kind of throw some chaos into it. So, Daniel, because you missed our last city building episode, I would love to hear you start us off. I'm going to, um, of course, add some aphid milk. That's the first thing. And to honor Chris, the city is full of dwarves. Those are my contributions. Okay, that, that sounds like two tenets, Daniel. you got to pick <laughs> one of those. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> what I'm thinking is, so one of my favorite cities um, that involves, you know, like a expansive, but, you know, world-spanning kind of city um, is actually Dark City um, from the movie. Uh, one of the things I liked about it was that it was continually changing. Um, and obviously that was because the the bad guys in that were re rearranging it. Um, but what I would what I would like to see in the city is that it's continually being built out. Like um, the edge of the city never really is the edge because they keep adding more. So I don't know what that means, whether the city is like how big the city is or in what context, context it exists. But I imagine that it can, it's continually being added to, so it's an ever-growing city. Are we talking upward, outward, or both, or let's, maybe let's say both? Okay, cool. So, so this this obviously brings the question: at the city center, is that where the largest spires in the city are, or is it a matter of like there is a zoning ordinance that once you hit a certain height, then it has to stop? Which is more interesting to you guys? Because either way, I think it's kind of cool. Could work. Is there anything necessitating this constant build upward? Ooh, wait, yeah, I have an idea for what could be. If we put it on uh, where it has to go outward and upward at a certain amount, what if you had it uh, be a city that was 
on the ocean. Ooh. Okay. So Ooh, ocean city. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So cool. like the yeah. outward parts are kind of like these floating kind of things, but as mm-hmm. it, as they build upward or outward from there, it has like a more stable base, kind of like an oil rig that has some spike going mm-hmm. down. Oh, I like that. And it suggests oh, okay. stuff about the world too. If this, if it's an ever growing city, that means whatever ocean they're in must be like enormous. Yeah. And not only that, now you have an entire undercity that is entirely underwater as well. Yes, it should yeah. go downward too. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. literal right. undercity. Yeah, exactly under under the sea. Oh, now I just heard the um, Little Mermaid song. That's exactly why I said it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I wish we could just sample that as a theme song. Uh, I think Chris just did in the best way possible. So. Yeah, can we, if we, since we can't get the rights to certain songs, can Chris just sing what we want, and we'll just put that in and out? Uh, yes. So, um, Chris, when we're done, I need you to cover under the sea in its entirety. I think it's better if I don't look up any of the lyrics and go from memory. <laughs> Uh, I do, I feel like you wouldn't get very far though. That's the thing. unless you played Kingdom Hearts recently, but you know you can just make it out. Kingdom Hearts two. My, my playlist Whatever. on my way to work is nothing but Disney songs, sung by you. Yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. So yeah, we're 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 definitely going to make that happen. Actually, we should make that a patron goal. Like once you <laughs> reach a certain amount, we'll actually have tracks covered by Chris. I think. That oh, would that be would be amazing. Yeah, I would pay right. for that. I would pay as a patron myself. <laughs> I, I would also pay money for this. Thank Daniel. you. Yeah. I I know I have a beautiful singing voice. I've heard you sing. You're not that bad. A little out of breath though, but you know it's fine. Yeah, I was singing both parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man karaoke's fun you guys you know what's also fun this world building prompt that we're not talking about right now yeah. all right but I, I actually okay so uh i i'd like to cut in a little bit because um i this already sounds like we have some fantastical elements to it but i for one because i've built my fair share of fantasy cities one of my tenets is i want it to be a sci-fi influenced city so it doesn't have to be pure sci-fi, but I actually do want science fiction elements in the city because it's something that I'm not really used to building as much as a fantasy city. I think that's cool. I'm always up for sci-fi. I know. I thought I, I was thinking of you, Daniel. I'm like, he's going to be excited. He's going to be very yes. excited that we got this. Yeah. I love sci-fi stuff because then it's like, okay, now like a lot of the question that for that Chris already asked, um, you know, well, what is there something causing it to expand and like. You know, what kind of science rules can we impose? Those are all kind of fun things to think about. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I'm already thinking of, you know, like reasons as to why a floating city is necessary. And it's mm-hmm. like why it continues to grow. It's like, is this essentially the arc, which is humanity's last bastion of hope yeah. after the, you know, like entire flooding of the world, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Or like, you know, like, is, is it encapsulating something like that? Those you get some crazy, crazy questions. And then you ask questions like, what kind of, is this on a planet? And then what context does it exist in the rest of the universe? All that. And what's like natural life look like, you know, because Mm -hmm. we have, we have stuff like, um, the city of Utrecht, which has vertical forests. So we have the capability and the possibility of still having a ton of greenery and still having like a living ecosystem of a floating city. Like that's not an issue. So where do we want to take it? I guess. 
Is that is that your tenant? Like that it is sci-fi, basically. Yeah. I, I, look, I went really broad and then narrowed it with each subsequent tenant. Yeah. I can give you a more interesting one, but I think I want to I want to let it breathe a little bit before I hit you with the next one. So. Okay. Hmm. Do you? So you want to You want to You go to your next one to like tar- tighten it a little bit. No, or do you not want at all. I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm loosey goosey, man. I'm loosey. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious like, what Chris's is. How hmm. that would bounce off of it. Go ahead, Chris. One of mine. Yeah, hit us with one of yours, so we can we can stay loose here. I wanted uh, one of the big things to be in this mega city. Uh, to be a good uh, focus of industry. I wanted something that they are known for that they do and uh, I didn't have a clear plan for that but the fact that we are on an ocean I could see this possibly being that uh, they're drilling some sort of power source from underground or mm-hmm. deep in the ocean or possibly even just being amazing shipwrights would also be good uh, both of those work yeah yeah in fact, I could say just have both of them that there is like the shipping and fishing industry and mm-hmm. there is the reason that they're going downward is kind of building this uh, thermal reactor that allows the city to expand more. Are, are there other cities? Mm-hmm. I would say that, yes, there are, but none as big as this mm-hmm. or perhaps none as ambitious as this. For some reason, I, I'm kind of attracted to the idea that this is the metropolis on the greater area. You know, like this is the cultural center of the world compared to like an inland city or something like that. I, I find Plus, that to be more interesting. You could have Plus it be a feeling halfway like a... point between two great continents. Like this is the ocean uh, waypoint between where people have to go. I'm feeling like it. I'm getting the impression that this is like a water world almost. Like I feel like I I don't mind the presence of other cities or even like you know city states that are out there perhaps floating, but I'm thinking like for this city to be like dramatically interesting, it has to be either one of a kind or really important on this planet. Hmm. Well, so I think that the floating city aspect is probably what what's going to make it unique. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you want, so now I can kind of get into my second more specific tenet, um, which is I wanted this city to have the living and the dead coexisting with each other. Oh, weird. Yeah. So, and and I don't mean like vampires and shit like that. I mean, like probably spectral entities, if anything, uh, they're not mindless undead necessarily. Mm -hmm. I, we could go there, but in my mind, I had this idea where this is this city in particular is where things between realms are incredibly thin. And so the dead are just as important as the living to the culture and to the city itself. What, what if Chris's power source, instead of drilling into the ocean, the city is built around like a rift of some kind? And Daniel, get r- out of my head because <laughs> I would think the exact same fucking thing. Because when you said spectral, I'm like, and, and living and dead, like maybe that's an interpretation people have, but maybe like mm-hmm. these spirits like are from a parallel reality or like from, mm-hmm. I don't know, even from a previous time, and they haunt the city because of that rift, and the power from that rift is a source of 
um, economics, like for the city too. See, I wanted to throw Chris a bone and just say that dwarves did it by drilling too, you know, like like in in Lord of the Rings, they dug too deep and they opened a spectral rift into the, the land of the dead. They're not literal dwarves. These are metaphorical dwarves, but my point still stands that they dug too deep and then opened a rel- like the spirit realm, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of cool. See, d- does that make the city a little bit more unique, Daniel? Does that make yeah, it? Yeah, because now it yeah. gives it like a, a position that no other city can have, right? And mm-hmm. it would also mean that it's like uh, a Mecca, you know, or, or like a very important place that people would travel to very specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that the the dead that inhabit this are spirits. So they're not like zombies or corporeal. I I was, I was actually kind of on the fence because I, I want them to be unique in the sense that they are intelligent and they, they might be semi-spectral. They might be like semi-lucid figures. We can kind of like, I, I, I was hoping that we could kind of workshop how the undead aspect would work. Or, or rather, the dead aspect would work because I don't want undead. I don't want vampires and I don't want ghouls and stuff like that. I don't want them to be like nefarious beings. I want them to just be like people who have died and now they are living their spectral life here in the city. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the series, the name of the series that deals with um, these this race of spe- species of aliens that are so far beyond our understanding that they exist in like these flux of 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 aeons of time and it's a series of books i just can't remember the name of it but anyway in that in that series they have um people who have been reconstructed as ai basically like they're they're basically like echoes of people like that 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 they're constructed after so someone dies they make a copy of them their memory and they create like a, a representation of them for some reason what you're talking about makes me think of like you have the spectral being or whatever it is that came from this rift I mean, I could imagine them using technology to embody it. So it's like imprinted into something and that imprint lets it move around in the physical world, perhaps mm-hmm. like through mm-hmm. the technology. I'm thinking like also Star Trek and like the holograph guy um, in Voyager who gets a physical embodiment. So like it mm-hmm. could be something that technology enables them somehow. Uh, I was actually curious of this, but it will get weirdly metaphysical. Metaphysical, I think is the word that I want to use, but uh I was uh, talking with someone recently about how they're getting better at making like artificial wombs and everything. Uh, if we can grow life uh, out of nothing, does it have a soul? And if it doesn't have a soul, can another soul inhabit it? So what if you make that grown bodies for these spirits to sometimes inhabit? I know that's taking a little bit away, but... Uh, I feel, I like, feel that... like we could probably have that be on the precipice of technology, or maybe there's like an aspect to it where we're exploring that, you know, through these new, and by the way, I want to call them echoes now because Daniel said something, they're echoes of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, we can just call them that, you know, because that's a really cool name. And also it kind of fits because you don't necessarily want to call them ghosts, right? Because they're yeah. not. So, so I think calling them echoes makes a lot of sense. And I think that there would probably be, uh, back to Chris's point, like m- different movements of echoes who want to live certain lives. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are some that are trying to pass on, you know, air quotes, and there are some that are trying to be reborn. And there's like a cool spectrum of in between. 
And I think that we can kind of explore that in various different ways as well, because what what would what the echoes would kind of represent is humanity's relationship with death in the afterlife in general. Oh, uh, going on to that, I could also see people who choose to move here and want to eventually become like the whole idea is to become an echo in order to fulfill this kind of transhumanism, transhumanism kind of thing and just replace their body with a cool robot body in a easier way. Or, or not only that, but like just living as an echo with the, with the lack of physical needs, you know, like I don't have to use the bathroom. I don't have to eat. I'm, you know, free from the shadow. I'm like, I have to die. Sure. But if I live on as an echo, then isn't that the same thing? And we don't actually know if that's true or not. So that's kind of an interesting aspect you can play with as well. Um, just for reference, the book I was thinking about um, that features something like these echoes is called Revelation Space by Alastair Reynolds. Thank you for the book recommendation, Daniel. Always a good thing. <laughs> Revelation Space. I, I mean, to Chris's point, I do like the idea that perhaps um, the civilization that is dealing with these beings, you know, might have developed technology to give them form, you know, for whatever reason. So, like, I could see... You know, if the like you're saying at the forefront of technology, they're trying to like create wombs to, to give them births, which is kind of freaky. Um, I could also see like their natural way of interacting with people is perhaps they're like embedded into some kind of technology that allows them to communicate. Because um, I imagine like I imagine if there's this rift, right, and it was a mistake to open it, that they must naturally be out of phase in a sense, like the way a ghost is kind of like difficult to communicate with, and so part of the work is making them connected with it, you know, through technology. I, I, I think I have an idea that can kind of do that. So if, if we're dealing with spirits, you know, there's an obvious motif of like possession, but I don't want them to be able to possess humans. Can we have them instead? Like when they were first discovered, they essentially made themselves known by possessing electronics. Yeah. Like, see that I like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's probably a good way to start where there's like this, you know, this, cacophony of like electronic noise and then eventually people are they they figure out that these are actually the echoes who are communicating oh, or maybe that's they're, cool. yeah so they're the poltergeist you're saying that they're yeah, yeah. the ghost in the machine yes. uh something like that yeah if, if not that then like god's in the machine like deus ex, deus ex machina so yeah yeah i i think that it'd be pretty cool i think we can kind of do this also chris I don't want to, I, I think we should stop and clap for Chris's ghost in the ghost. Thank the machine you. Thank I, I wanted to, I want to make sure you feel that. Thank you. Know, you. In your heart, I your need awkward. it. Yeah. Exactly. Need it so badly. I know you do. Um, you, you need it as much as you need this podcast to fulfill your, um, your embarrassment fetish. So it's fine. Public. Maybe I should be fetish. using incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, for your next one, your inevitable Senate run, like, you know, you gotta... <sighs> oh, man, um, we should really move on to the next tenant before this quickly devolves. So who's 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 second tenant is next? Did, did I technically just go? Uh, yeah, you we we did the um, major manufacturer thing. OK, OK, good. I still, I still have more questions about that. I feel like we'll get into it when we talk about technology because I'm, I'm wondering like what kind of stuff they can produce as a result of having access to this rift. It might be not only that, stuff. I feel like well, well, I to to go back to Chris's thing, I think that 
The other thing that we can probably make it be an industry surrounding are the echoes themselves, you know? Oh yeah, true. If they're well known for one thing, especially an industry, like having the echoes be part of it should certainly be. Yeah. I wonder too, maybe they possess, because they come from somewhere else. Maybe they individually possess knowledge that's valuable. Like I can almost imagine like people, I don't know if they're going to buy or trade in them, but like taking echoes because they have certain bits of knowledge that's, you know, um, unusual or exotic and then using them like as personal libraries or assistance or like technology that's kind of horrifying actually yeah yeah like imagine they're like you're you know well it's it's also like the necromancers yeah what's that necromancers you force scientists into like a pda the ghost yes. of a scientist and it just like yes. hey give me this information and it's just like that's oh, what want freedom yeah, yeah. I, I would really love to stay away from echo slavery if possible. Like that, that is, I'd I like to think that if we are, if, if that society is far enough along to understand the echoes and develop the technology to build a city on the water, they would be post slavery. And I feel like when you're in, you're in, 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 when you're capturing sentient beings and forcing them onto a PDA, I feel like we should know better by now. I, I don't okay. know. Our I, civilization was built on slavery. I wouldn't be surprised if our the utopian view we have of the potential future is not that we overcome those things, but we go back to doing the horrible things we've been doing. Which I wouldn't okay, be surprised but, if it was capitalist reality. You know, I would say it's highly illegal. It's not good to do. People are find it abhorrent. But is it done? I'm Maybe. sure it's done. Okay, so so I'm I'm willing to make that concession. Like, yeah. it is done, but it is frowned upon, and it's a black market thing. Yeah, like maybe the the frowned um, upon there's the a light. <laughs> like maybe there's a there's a, a symbiosis, but like a partnership between the people who build the city and the echoes. But there are people yeah. who like dominate them, right? To that degree. Yes, yes, and and in the fun way, and obviously in the very not fun way. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Daniel, what's what's your next tenant? Give us give us a segue out of here. This second tenant is bizarre. Um, and given what we've created, I, we, we're going to have to, like, change it into something that makes sense. But because, um, you know, I didn't have a sense of it being sci fi yet. So, like, I don't know how this would work with that. But the idea I had, because at first I was thinking about the city continuing being built and expanding. Right. But then I was like, OK, the further you travel in the city in some direction, um, the more fractured in time it becomes. So or it doesn't have to be time necessarily, but the more fractured in something it becomes. So the more in one direction you go, the more, if it were time, the more in one direction you go, the more into the past you go. And then in the more in the other direction you go, the more into the future you go. But again, I don't, it doesn't have to be time. I'm just thinking about like, there's something odd about the geometry of the space that the, the distance is, is altered somehow. Um, and I, don't, I just don't know whether that means like, temporally or maybe like it's just its environment is different it could be very literal or physical you know uh, we take it in that direction if i may you could do it as as you go into the under uh city as it were mm-hmm. you are going into a non-euclidean geometry or time-based yeah. thing so you are going backwards and forwards which can kill you and also it's a labyrinth, but going down there, you're also finding things that exist both in the past and the future of the city. Ooh, so you could find like a relic that, uh, well, not a relic, but 
like an item that's super advanced and you're like sweet mm-hmm. and yeah so no maybe doubt. maybe it's proximity to the rift is what it is yes i like that I, i'm starting to think down. yeah I, i'm starting to think that that rift is really what it's all about here mm-hmm. you know like they dug too deep opened this rift and now the rift is leaking up and out which is why it's necessitating the city to be Expanded, oh, expanded upon to to escape the rift as much as possible oh. yeah so there's a zone like so the city's expanding outward right and the closer right. you get to the rift the zone of the rift gets bigger it's getting bigger mm-hmm. and that's why they have to keep pushing out absolutely and the other thing that i was thinking of is i i don't want to dismiss your time dilation offhand daniel because i feel like we can probably tie them into the echoes themselves and we can not only have them be you know, people who once were dead, but people who will once will be to kind of play with your time dilation idea. Because now I'm thinking of living people who find their echo because they've died in the future and that echo still exists as an echo of them as they will be. So like, I see what you mean. Yes, like the the echo is them, but just in the future. Exactly, exactly right. Oh, that means you could retrieve yourself from the future and enslave yourself. Yes. And and I feel like there's all sorts of interesting plays that we can kind of mess around with. And so now, now that we're unshackled from, you know, time, we can also mess around with future dead, which is really fucking interesting to me. Someone who hasn't existed yet. (laughs) Yeah. But is dead. (laughs) Right. Exactly right. And, And so I think that this, certainly opens up a lot of possibilities for, you know, uh, all, all sorts of interesting things here. I'm philosophically, if you enslave your future self, did you consent? (laughs) I think not because your future self and you aren't the same person, right? You're two separate sentient entities, but your current, you could be like, I'm consenting to this. Eventually. Not how it works. That's not how consent works, Chris. <laughs> you can't give continual set consent into the future forever. Ex- exactly. <laughs> but <Right>. it's you. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. But could you, I mean, I, there's so many stories. You could have like an artist, right, who yearns for the day that they can produce the great work. And then they go into the into the zone of the rift to find themselves. They capture themselves, return to the present, and then force their former self to produce the works that you did produce in the present. <laughs> okay. I could also see it where some guy is just incredibly lazy and he was just like, I'm going to learn all these skills. I'm going to find my future uh-huh. self. It's just like, nah, dude, we just kept on waiting to find us. <laughs> His future self is just as useless. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, God damn it. Kept well, putting see, it I, off I until to... there was no more time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to keep the meeting yourself thing to a rarity. I don't think it should be terribly common. Also, what might be interesting is like, oh, hey, you look just like an echo I know. Like that might be an interesting little trigger point as well. Again, full kids bop Chris Frenchy <laughs> is coming. Uh, as long as we hit a Patreon goal. That's 2021 aphid milk, aphid plushies and a yes. kids bop 2020 release. Uh, yeah. Oh, Actually, Chris singing a kids bop version of WAP would be hilarious. And uh, we'll have that back to back with Under the Sea and we'll make billions of dollars and that'll be just fine. I will deadpan WAP. 
you, you already do, so it's oh. fine. Anyway, gentlemen, we have a really interesting idea here. I, I, I'm, I'm like really digging this city idea already, and like the, I love when we take all of the different disparate ideas and like make them all kind of fit. That's definitely one of my favorite things. So, um, who has another segue into one of their tenants? I do. I did. So did both mine. Uh, you did Christopher, both go ahead. Now, this is going to get a little bit weird uh, in the sense of one of the cities that I really like and have never played in is the city of Salt and Wounds, I believe. I don't know what that is. It's the Tarax city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I it have has a city? It's, it's so, a... Yep. If you want to explain it. There is... There is a city that was, I, I don't even think this was actually official canon or anything like that, but there is someone who created a city that's built on the back of the Tarrasque. And the, yeah, and the entire, uh, in its entire um, like ecosystem surrounds like carving the Tarrasque up for meat and selling the meat and like taking its spines and its bones and its marrow making and like buildings out of it, making, making uh, buildings and like selling the materials and be, and like keeping the Tarrasque permanently incapacitated. So it's like, but because it can regenerate forever, it's oh. still creating all of this material. From so the Tarrasque aware of this or just like, Oh yes. And oh, it's okay. very upset. Yes. Wow. It does not it's enjoy dramatic. what's happening. Yes, that's correct. I wanted to, I originally wanted this to somehow be similar. Uh, and I was just like, oh man, I'm going to have to give that up. But I realized the rift we keep on des describing as a dimensional doorway or a, uh, like a geological thing of going into the earth. What if it was literally the dead god? This reminds me very much of the um, Rob Schwalbe interview that we had. Oh, yes. Where in the, in the giant <laughs> colon. Yeah, literally in the giant god's colon. But in this case, I would imagine it wouldn't necessarily be the colon. But I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I love the idea of um, the city being, the rift itself being the eye of a god would be really interesting. Yeah, you could because, make it like more uh, Cthulian, and that's why as you go down, is it is it alive? Is it dead? And it would also, it, especially if it were something like Odin, right? Who can see because he tosses his eye in the well of what is it, Chris? You would know this offhand. Why am I asking? But you would know it. You're a fucking nerd. Anyway, I, I am. A nerd. So how do we square that with um, science fiction? That's well, well. So, so hold on. So my idea is. Right. Like there is this creature, which many would call a god, who is able to see past and future at the same time. Kind of like a try, kind of like a Tralfamadorian from Vonnegut's stuff. Um, and we can call it a god or whatever, but we're essentially mining that unwittingly or unknowingly. And, and, and Daniel, you were just saying that uh, the echoes reminded you of this creature that we can't really perceive as a physical thing or as a being. Why wouldn't we just be ignorant of the idea that we're mining this angry, alive kind of God thing without it, our knowledge? It's that lives in the, so it could be like if this is a, you know, an alien world, it could be um, a natural thing in the like that is the world. 
in fact, like yeah. the creature itself. And because we're just like, maybe this is like early on in our space pioneering days, we have no idea what this thing is, but we understand that it's a tremendous power source and it allows all, you know, for all of this, this, it would just kind of, a kind of, if, if, so if this being creature is, I would say is the world, like it's at the core of the world, or maybe it's the planet itself. Like it's, it's the being that exists at the core of it or is, is unique to this planet. What you'd end up too with is that the planet would now become important if there is a larger scope to the universe. Like if there's an interstellar civilization or larger, that means that perhaps this is native to this planet that would then make this planet too important on top of the city being Right. I mean, ex exactly right. Yeah. Um, and I also like the possibility that this could be described as a being. You said like, um, like Chris was hinting at like Eldritch, like this could be a being out of phase um, with our physical or temporal dimension. So like maybe it's like a five dimensional being. And that's why when you enter the zone, space is really weird because now you have a, an additional vector of space that you can travel through beyond the, the three of space and the fourth of time. Maybe the rift is its blood and it's like literally bleeding fifth dimensional space. Yeah, spatial that would be really weird because now you can yeah. like traveling through that space would be unusual. Like you'd have to know you in fact, you'd need like tools that let you see in five dimensions. Otherwise, you know, you might take a left turn and end up 52 miles in the middle of the ocean because space is <laughs> a, a pretzel like in that or, area. Or you might take a left turn and end up 32 years younger. You know, yes, you end up in the past, right? That yes, five yeah. miles south of yesterday. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Um, there was there was a novel called uh, Hyperion, and this <laughs> yep. is going to get into a little bit of spoilers of that, but well, not really because it's speculated at some point in the book that uh, the weird future past uh, dynamic of this place is effectively someone in the future trying to change something in the past to preserve itself. So imagine if uh, this society or this civilization that's building out is trying to send a message to itself to be like, the spirits are bad. The echoes will eventually betray us or something like that. I'm not saying that's true because I, I feel like the echoes are going to have to fight against the trope of being evil undead anyway. I was actually thinking that the echoes themselves were the messengers or the harbingers of that thing. But then the further away from the rift they got, the more they forgot what their message was supposed to be, which is also why it comes in future and past selves of people that you would probably recognize because that being understands that we would trust those people more uh, mm. as we know them as the dead, you know? Well, it could also just be a, a physical consequence of what's happening. Like if you're, if you're like creating extra dimensions of space, you know, like an, an, an extra one time, it doesn't be five, it could be six or seven or 26, right? Like you, you end up messing up what's in the vicinity of the area. Right. So like mm -hmm. the reason why we might have echoes that remind us or that are us is because it's bleeding into our space or at the same time, like, we could have echoes from the future because again, it's in our proximity, you know? So it, what I'm, I guess my point is like, it doesn't even need to have intentionality on the part of the being like the creature. Oh, we may not true. even know or care what's going on. It's just, this is what it's doing to our space, you know? Mm, yeah. it's a good point. More existentialism. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. Like now, now I'm just like, oh man. See, this is I, I love. Sometimes I really love the broad general topics that we get. You know, like the very specific setting prompts that we get are awesome. And then sometimes when you give like such a broad stroke like this, like just build a big city. It's like yeah. we we basically allow ourselves to go fucking buck wild crazy with the idea and just be like, all right, cool. So now we got time ghosts, a Cthuloid monster and dwarves <laughs> who dug too deep under the ocean on a floating city that never stops. Yeah. Like all of that mixed together is like, it's pretty fucking cool, I think. So. Okay, it's like the difference between something that's evocative versus something that um, is inspired, right? Like yeah. evocative is, is giving you a feeling that we're going after and inspired has a particular thing it's coming from. All right. So now we're going to go ahead and roll into the world building jam where we randomize some things and make stuff up even more on the fly that we already have. First up is the subject of our jam session. A cataclysm, of course. And next up, we're going to roll the theme of that cataclysm. Which is love. So we have a cataclysm surrounding love on our giant flotilla island. Uh, a love cataclysm. A love cataclysm. Okay, so the idea of the love uh, cataclysm uh, reminds me of Junji Ito's uh, Army of One, where... Are we referencing Jet Li's The One again? No, no, no. It's Army of One is not the one. It's (laughs) where... uh, Every time someone finds themselves uh, finding like companionship in another person, they uh, are absorbed in that into that person, kind of, and it kills them. So everyone has to stay away from each other and not socialize. That Social sounds distancing. Horrible. Yeah, it's this. It's this. It's everything we're currently doing. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's not entirely true because I can still hang out with my wife pretty often. But you know. true. True. But metaphorically, are you do you not risk the danger of being absorbed into each other through the isolation imposed upon you? Okay, so the name of the cataclysm is now called the isolation. Oh. Um, so so let's so let's go ahead and start there. Um, I like I like the general concept of that, Chris. Uh, I kind of want to make it a plague of some kind, so where this type of thing happens and maybe it's an echo specific thing. Maybe it's not an echo specific thing. Maybe that's what happened when the first echoes kind of arrived is they were absorbing regular people or vice versa. Mm. So at first they were more mindless and hadn't taken on like their personality. I mean, imagine, imagine you went from one moment being dead and knowing nothing and then suddenly believing that you are yourself brought into existence and non-corporeal. We, we did establish that the echoes can't possess people, right? They don't take over people literally. Correct. Yeah. Um, I wonder, cause I, I like the love interest concept, the love, the love topic of this. Cause it makes me think yeah. like perhaps someone I'm in mean, the, in the early days, like Chris is talking about of it. Um, got too close or too infatuated or connected to one of the echoes. And this started this plague that you're talking about, or this started this catastrophe. Mm. Um, Cause it's, it's not, it would be interesting if you can tie the source of it to a particular character motivation, like this person, I don't know, maybe it's a, the, the echo was a love interest or maybe it was a, a, 
someone they lost. And so they thought that the echo is that person and their connection with it led to an isolation that led to a disaster. I like the idea of just falling down a well of despair as a result of meeting the person who you thought you lost forever, but they come right. back as an echo yeah. or, or vice versa. I feel like it's probably the echo's fault that this cataclysm happened where they understand that they can never be with that person who they really loved ever again. Mm-hmm. And that level of despair somehow essentially turned them into a bomb of some kind. Maybe, maybe they tried to bring the echo back out of the zone, right? I mean, you're not supposed hey, to do that. There we go. Yeah. And so yeah. then they brought it into their technology and that caused the problem because it spread somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they tried to contain it and maybe like embody it using the technology they had, but this is early on, so they didn't really know how to do that. And that caused some kind of infection of their technology outside the zone. Let's try and bring it back to the rift opening up and kind of spilling out everywhere. Maybe we can combine those two things so that the rift in and of itself at first was, was contained, but this isolation event is what caused the spillage to happen where the city was forced to continue to expand and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I was going to say, like, the foundations of the city itself are are a cork on the rift, as opposed to, like, they do get power from it, but mm-hmm. what if the reason it's expanding, getting bigger, and was built in the first place was to stop uh, a torrent of these echoes coming out? Oh, is there, like, a containment field around the zone of, of the entrance to the rift, basically? Yeah, because right now we're picturing that the ones that are interacting are human and kind of nice. What if uh, the gateway or the stopgap that was built is to kind of vet the ones that get through because the first ones that got through were uh, not very nice. Like Event Horizon-esque. That would be pretty fucked. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I like that. I I was even thinking more Hounds of Tindalos, personally. You know, where it just like slides in between realities. Also, mm. mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Oh, can you like um, expand on what you're saying, Rob? Just before, like, I, I don't think I totally understood it. Which part? Um, so, just before Chris was talking about the zone being contained, you were saying that the that there was an isolation event basically that happened after the rift was. Um, secured like I wanted to get a sense of like what that what was exactly what was that well I was I was thinking yeah so I was thinking that the cataclysm itself is the rift leaking the rift like expanding and growing whereas previously it was main or or it was contained oh I see I see what you mean okay so the 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 cataclysm in and of itself is the cat is the rift leaking out that's what Mm -hmm. I'm suggesting and then the story behind it is where we can kind of create when it comes to the isolation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Got it. Hold on. I got it. Okay. So this person, this, this human alive corporeal person finds the love of their life who they lost at a previous point mm-hmm. and then is so desperate to get in, to, to see them again, to be with them again. They're willing to break open the containment barrier 
between their world and the rift in order mm-hmm. to be with them again. That makes sense. And then it's one person that fucks it up. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I know that's kind of what you were looking for. But this person's desperate loneliness, their isolation from everyone else is what drives them to create this cataclysmic event. It could be too that to add to this, like in, in the zone that Chris is talking about, the containment zone of, of this, just before the actual zone of the rift, like people have to be very careful and work in isolation. So maybe this person was like a science person and they knew how to open the door. And so they they did it once they got so forlorn, you know? Well, I, I really think that city came along pretty fucking well, guys. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so thanks again, Jacob, for that really dope-ass idea. We're going to continue on next episode with it. But before we do, we, of course, have to drop you with a cool cliffhanger. And that's going to be the twist for this setting. Oh, thanks again to all of our patrons for contributing your twist to the massive twist list that we draw from. So let's see what we got this time. All right. I don't know who did this one, but uh, Chris, can you give me your best Admiral Akbar impression? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That is our twist. Our twist is it's a trap. And I don't know what that means in the grander context of this story, but we're going to figure it out next episode. So join us as we figure out what the fuck's going on here. Although the, the, this, the calamari makes sense because you know, they're, they're like, anyway. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of world build with us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com and submit a prompt or just tell us how cool and handsome we are. Alternatively, you can always shoot us a DM over at Let's World Build or give us a follow. And you can join our Discord community where we build worlds together, play games, just be friends, hang out, do cool shit. Uh, And of course, if you want to be incredibly generous, like patron Jacob here, you can always go ahead and give generously on our Patreon, where we offer fun and interesting stuff like episodes that come out early, you get world building prompt privilege, all sorts of cool stuff. I'm going to link that into the description. You can go ahead and check it out yourself. And remember that we're going to get through this together and we love you very much. We'll see you next week.